And we are live. We are live with the last day of Art Meets Business. Yay. Yeah, we made it. We had some fantastic days behind us now, right? Where we discuss a lot about business. And today is the wrap up, right? Uh, don't forget that whatever you're watching this, it is live right now. And we love if you participate, if you ask questions, if you give your comments. So look where you're watching. If it's a comment box or a chat box, that's the place. We are monitoring right now on YouTube, Facebook, and at CuriousMondo.com. So if you're in either of these places, perfect, you can participate. And don't forget to share too. If you think you know somebody that is thinking about opening a business or is struggling with a business right now, maybe they can take something from this that they can go tweak and have a different result. So take your time to, to share this on whatever, you, uh, whatever you're watching now, any social network. Remember, this is content only nobody tries to sell anything so it's safe for you even to post on groups awesome so let's see let's just to to keep this uh, consistent to every other day consistent to every other day i'm going to go through what we have covered so far and then about today so day one we we talked about predicting the future knowing uh, being able to pinpoint what is going to happen and a, a lot about consumer behavior what's the trend that will surface after all this crisis is gone even some of them are already happening uh, then day two we did basics of live streaming we talked a, a little bit more about consumer behavior and then live streaming day three positioning we did a lot how do you position how you you tell a story, how you get to be perceived the way you want by your prospects and customers. Uh, day four, uh, we, we mixed a little bit uh, of, uh, we had several questions. We talked again about the market. We, we talked a little bit about online possibilities. So we talked about having a gallery or having a boutique. We can even talk a little bit more about that. Today, and we, we I read my artist statement. Today, we are going to start with the artist statement, right? Because this way, we make sure we cover that because every day it was being postponed. So we will start with that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about online possibilities. Uh, we are going to talk about buyer's remorse when, for example, people... Sorry, people buy something from you and, you know, a day or even less than a day, they come and they, they want to return, not because there's anything wrong with the product. Uh, it's because it's something that happens. So we are going to talk a little bit about that and uh, adding components of entertainment to your, to your art business. And any, any, any uh, business can do that, right? Any business and art artists as well. So that's what we have planned. Let's let's see how much we keep on task today, right? I, I really love the topic. I, I I can talk about consumer behavior a lot and trends, and you know, even with my best friends, when when we well, when we had a chance to get together, but now either through to one of you know the messaging apps or or you know you you put the car beside another hey how are you doing how are you doing we we actually all, most of the time we talk about uh, trends and and how consumers are behaving and like right now for example uh, there is this big question to are we, is the country open in April is it going to open in May uh, while the hospitals and other structures say we shouldn't open with uh, before June. Well, 
when you're planning something, how, how do I stay alive in business and how do I make money during this transition or how do I manage all the bills that I have? You have to, to plan. You always plan really f the right way would be to plan for the worst. So, for example, if I had to uh, make a timeline right now, I would go, okay, we reopen in, or we reopen or we go back to a new normal in June. And I make plans for that, even though inside I might be hoping that it could, uh, which I'm not. I, I think it would be better to get rid of the, the, the threat and then go back uh, other than just go back and then have to deal with this again. I for sure don't want to have to deal with the situation again. But even if I were hoping for a, uh, the, the market opening soon, I have to plan for what if doesn't it doesn't. And it's not pessimism or anything. It's just being ready for what comes ahead. Right. So uh, and again, it's important for you to look at data, not to, to look at uh, what other people say just because they say or because they found something on social media and they are sharing. Not only you pass along a lot of false information, but the, the fact is you get more confused. Many, many, many times you get angry at things and that doesn't solve anything. Looking at, at, at hard data is always the best approach because uh, even when projections are wrong, right, you, you, you have a, a path like if it's really long, wrong, it's going to go this way. And then it starts going this way. You say, well, we are doing something right because it is getting better. And I can rely on that. I cannot rely uh, on hearsay and, and people just giving their opinions about some something or spreading information that who knows where they got that. I think it's important for you to be, even though we are creative people, and some of us are, are very analytical, most of us are not, uh, to, to learn how to train yourself into this kind of, of mindset so you don't freak out easily with things that they're not even true, right? And we, uh, and here in National and I in business, we always told our clients also when it, it, it comes to opinion of other people about your business. So for example, you devote a long time to decide what you're going to sell, how you're going to sell, and then goes the website. The website, usually, you know, people over-focus on things that are not, not that important, like the color or the font that you use. They are important, but it's not the main thing, right? It's the story that you're telling. And then comes somebody, ah, I don't think it works with this color, or I don't think, uh, uh, this is um, this is guessing. There, there's no data, uh, no data or experience for that opinion, right? It's just what they think. And if you keep listening to that, you're never going to go anywhere because you, you know everybody comes in a, from a different uh, point of view. So I, we always say, if it's not a qualified opinion. Uh, I don't pay attention to that. So if you say, I don't like it because uh, bread is not in trend anymore, well, you got to give me hard facts about that. Where, where does uh, your opinion is coming from? Or else I'm not going to pay attention. So for example, I do have some friends there, marketing and business consultants. We exchange a lot of information because uh, we, we, we have been doing this for many, many years, right? So I pay a lot of attention when one of these friends say, you're doing this wrong, or it's not going to go this way, it's going to go that way. Um, and we are already talking about November and you know how things are going to progress at worst case scenario, mild case scenario, best case scenario. So you look for, for people that 
are somewhat related to what we do or have experience in the in the topic that you're searching information from okay that was off topic by the way <laughs> oh my okay national said that there is no control in me it's just a, a wish bella rose i see classes in the making with the wonderful art in the background ah no <laughs> no yes 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 and no right this side yes because i have the beaded flowers and that's upcoming i think in two weeks uh my butterflies they take forever to to finish one and i sometimes i use embroidery on wool felt sometimes i needle felt and then i embroider so and and i have a few that are just textile so uh that process not going to turn into a, into a class because it takes forever diana uh, i see uh, yeah i see uh, some of your moths on the wall so beautiful i love them and i hope to make many more i really enjoy them Cass, the first day was so interesting and eye-opening. Thank you. Diane, I love listening. Always some new nuance is covered. You know, it depends on how the day went and what I talked about. It, it, it becomes here, ends up here too. I don't think we can plan much right now. Well, you, you can. If you, I don't know if you're here. I don't remember if you were here the first day. But we talked about uh, many things that we know how people will behave despite them being home or outside. So some of it, yes. But like I said yesterday, there are so many unanswered questions. Even this, uh, are we going to, let's say, go back to normal? Uh, in April, are we going, is it May? Is it June? I mean, I, I, I wish really I, I had a hard date. It would make things much better. But there are some plannings. And even if, let's, worst case scenario, we still stay eight weeks closed or even more. What are we going to do to keep generating cash, right? And it's interesting because many of us, when we have something to sell that has an appeal to the market right now, we start feeling guilty if we offer that to the market. Because you're thinking, well, there, there is suffering. Uh, we are all living a, a, a feeling of grieving, really. We are all grieving the situation and what's going on. Uh, so there are very, very strong emotions going on. And am I wrong if I put something out there and offer? Am I taking advantage of this moment? And again, is is a, a matter of mindset, right? If I have something, I, I see every single prop, uh, every single piece in every single business. At some point, it has a solution to a problem, which is exactly what people look for. They're always looking for a solution to a problem, right? Uh, and uh, even boredom. Right? If I'm really bored because I've been inside for too long, I want entertainment, I want to get my mind out of something, right? So uh, they are always looking for a solution to a problem that they have. And your product or your art either solves that or not, right? F so let's go back to the, the fairies and, and gnomes. I'm wearing a gnome today. I, I love gnomes. It's, it's an art piece from a friend of mine called Marilyn Urid. She's phenomenal. But uh, you're always, uh, if you're looking for fantasy, it's really because you 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 want to bring hope back to you right if there is magic in things if there there's the mystery that our brain loves that i told you about mystery and rituals and mystique uh if if it has that i feel better right and and i put my my whole body and my myself into a different frame uh which can be very useful right now 
and I lost why I was say telling you that. Oh, and Ashley wants me to show you my beautiful gnome. So Marilyn Ear made this. She's a local artist and is made out of glass. And you should see the pieces that she makes. Like um, she has some octopus, uh, which I learned with her that the right plural is octopuses, not octopi. Not octopi. No. Well, maybe, I don't know. Uh, she makes them and they are phenomenal. She also uh, is a, an amazing wood carver and she runs a group of wood carvers here that I, I told you before is one of my favorite groups. So many amazing artists. Uh, so anyway. I really lost why I was talking about the magic thing, but we are we are always trying to solve a, a problem inside, right? And if your if your product or art uh, solves that problem, and believe me, art also solves problems, uh, it's fa it's fair to offer. So you are going to put out there. Remember, they are going to make the decision if they want it or not. Of course, you have to have the right approach uh, to to do that, and we talked about that yesterday. But it, you won't shy away if you have anything that people can benefit from now but you leave up to them to make the decision so there is no nothing wrong with that and there are many things out there that can help people right now right including you know sometimes uh, time to think about uh, events which by the way that it's one thing I left outside yesterday but think about this as an artist you have the option of the the classes you have the option to have galleries with with gallery openings online you have the option or having boutiques, you have the, the option to do the same type of market you would do for, for crafts and arts uh, locally, right? The same thing, you would showcase people. And then you could uh, you could mix that by having a friend of yours, maybe he's a mu musician, he can do a performance there. So you, you incorporate a component of entertainment a, a bit more to that event. Uh, but you can also have other types of events as well that could be just gathering people together with the softwares that you have and making things together. It's another option and it can be, you can charge for that, right? So uh, there are many ways you could get something. Let's say you decide to build a gnome of, out of whatever you, you, you deal with, whoa, sculpting. Uh, you could tell people, come watch me do it and, and play along with me and do your own gnome at the same time and you pay she's for that, X for that, sorry, and, and you use a software like Zoom, for example, to enable uh, that situation, right? It's a, it's a way any artist can do this type of event. And they're not, I know of, of some that are doing, but very few, very few. Uh, so why not is another way for you, whatever skill that you have to create, woo, sculpting, glass, whatever it is, why not? You gather that is a one night event, gone you, you cannot charge a lot but you can charge and then another group so you have many options there that we could still explore um those butterflies are amazing. Thank you, Patricia. I'm sitting here in my garden. Ooh, and it will be one month tomorrow, but it's still coughing like a, a good yoon in the morning here in France. And for once, able to watch. Please keep me, keep, i sorry. I know how to read this just because I'm tired. Please keep up with your great work. You know, one thing, so, so I, I'm going to assume you got it, right? Um, National and I, we actually believe we got 
the coronavirus in January. We we had an instructor that was sick right after we got sick as well. And it was awful. It was awful. And Nashla, we both have asthma, but Nashla's asthma is, is stronger than mine. And we had to go to Instacare and say, it looks like there are bricks on my lungs and I can't breathe. And the guy, the guy looked at her and, and said, oh, it's anxiety. And I told him, it's not anxiety. She's never anxious. I mean, we have an earthquake. It's like the world is ending. You're like this. And she petting the dog. I think it's an earthquake. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's an earthquake. So no anxiety there ever. But uh, at the end, he gave her some medicine and we're here. And But I'm still coughing and it's already April, right? So I don't know. I don't know. I cannot be tested. So I, I'll never know. But I think. Lisa, uh, those butterflies are amazing. Thank you. I, they are one of my favorites. Beverly, hi, Bev. How are you doing? Bria, I had had family members talk me out of trying something I was really excited about. Exactly. And like I told you yesterday, uh, I, as a consultant, I never say you have a bad idea. I did that once. And for the life of me, I'm, I, st I'm st I still feel guilty about that. Uh, what, what you have to try to do, even when you think uh, an idea is way crazy, is really try to show the pathway to the, to, for to make it su successful. Because again, anything can work. But the problem is that usually the people that we have around us, that includes husbands and, and sisters, they usually do not work on the same wavelength that you do. You are an artist you're, and you, you think in a different way. We all do. And they come from their world, from their experiences, right? They're, many times it's very different than yours. And they say, oh, this is never going to work based on what they see as reality, right? And we, we kind of see a glimpse of what's possible and what's real. So it's very presumptuous of us uh, to know that, to, to really know if that thing has or, or doesn't have a chance, right? Uh, um, I, for example, even though I love to go to restaurants, I would never have one. I think it's a very difficult business. You, you need a, a lot of cash flow all the time because the, the food goes bad. You, you have to be really good at predicting uh, what and how many are going to sell. And, and this is a skill that you, that you can develop, but that's not usually the case, right? Uh, so it's a very difficult thing. And when you think about how many there are out, out there, for example, there is one city nearby here. It's a tiny city, Midville. They have 172 restaurants. So if you think they have more restaurants than people. Uh, so it's tough, but it's not impossible. But whoever tells you it's not going to work, they better have a very... Uh, a lot of very good arguments because you never know where you could go. I told you yesterday about Scotty Party, and our first moment, you 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 would think people don't even are interested in this in this topic or, or on this solution, right? And look where it got. So never say, uh, never allow people to to keep saying that to you because it doesn't work. I, uh, Denise is saying, I've had people suggest that I make things related to what's going on right now, rainbows, etc. but I'm not comfortable with taking advantage. I'm, Nashla told me, don't forget the artist statements. It's really here in front of me right now. Um, I, again, it's, it's the same thing in marketing. We say that there is persuasion and there is, oh, I forgot the other word. 
but there is a very fine line between them, the persuasion and the, that, well, let's say attraction, client attraction, right? The, the bad one is because you started with a bad intention. And the other one, you you didn't you you say I'm going to tell stories that make people cry. Are you oh manipulation and persuasion? Are you manipulating them? No, right? You 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 know that it's quite possible of an outcome, but your intention is not bad from the beginning, right? So if I create a product right now uh, to to make people feel uh, healthier, for example, so you take two spoons of this and and you're not going to get this. Well, the intention from the beginning is bad and I know I'm going to be telling a lie and selling something that is not going to do what it does it's very different than you having a product that has value that can help it offers a solution to a problem and you put out there and you're not going to get, grab anybody by the neck and say you have to buy from me because this is going to help right you put it out there and you state what that does period and then they decide but your intention from the beginning was not taking advantage if it was everything that you're going to do it will fulfill the first intention uh, got what i said so I, I think it's very complicated to say because you have something that can help for example if you had a, a product that relaxes people let's say you you sell water fountains right and yours has the the perfect rhythm that will put a person in a relaxing state or you're a a musician and you believe in vibrations and you create a song in the right vibration to make the whole energy balance and you say I know most people are stressed right now you might be stressed as well maybe you're not sleeping well at night well you explain what vibrations are and how it's important because your body is made of energy and you say by listening to this music 15 to 20 minutes a day it will balance again the wavelength of your whole body and you will be able not only to sleep but to relax are you taking advantage by doing that so you, you know, there are many, many ways we can look at exactly the same thing. Now, if you create something vibrational that will make people get more anxiety, and then you're going to sell another solution for that anxiety, then you're manipulating the whole process. So that is a bad action. Okay, if you don't agree with me, let me know. Um, Shahar, I am like you in that I like to to do many different mediums. Yes. Uh, do you have any suggestions for marketing, setting yourself up as an artist? What I can tell you, and then that's a very good good question actually, because many of us has have the same problems. Remember my my artist statement yesterday. I read it, and I told about the fiber and the needle felting. Right. Uh, if I were to set up another site or something where I would be selling beading, I would create the whole story again for beading only. What we cannot do in marketing, or we can do, but it costs a lot of money, is trying to market many things, at the, many different things at the same time. It does not work. First of all, because you are getting little bits of people from different audiences, and, and you're spending money in order to reach them a lot. 
So you have to choose one that you like. Let's say you don't have a website now. I, I don't know what what it is, though, how you are on your artist's journey. But let's suppose you don't have a website or anything. You will create, you can put more than one or two on a website, it's fine. But you're going to build one audience first. So let's say it's needle felting, the needle felting first. And when that is generating the income that you want and everything is going fine and you have time, because the beginning is always uh, ask for more time from you, then you can go to the other medium and do the same. Even though this has been true forever, I can tell you when we started Curious Mondo, we made the same mistake. We started, and again, I was coming from the, the consulting field, so it's a topic, again, that I can talk 24 hours about, and I like it. So we said, okay, let's create this for businesses. We were training a multi-level company uh, company here in town in town as well at that time so we thought it was a no-brainer so I say we start we, we start with the business but let's put self-improvement as well and let's put something else I think it was cooking I don't even remember and we did that and even though we did sell one on the first day and everything sales on the first year year were beyond awful I, I really don't know how we survived that year and and we we were spending energy and and money trying to make it go and talking to my friend more than once he helped us a lot at the beginning and he said the problem is you're trying to market to different audiences all the time and that consumes money energy and it doesn't bring the results and I say yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I thought okay if I have to narrow down then I'm going to narrow down for something that I'm really passionate about because then spending the time doing it will be more fulfilling and because I had I told you before I had a website in Brazil that sold craft tutorials for 18 years I, I knew how it works and we went for that and that that's really when things start happening so now for the last four years all we do are courses related to arts right and we have that point where it's it's not the crafty thing that you find easily on YouTube and you can play with kids we don't go that for that audience we go for the, the audience that really has a passion to grow as an artist right so that's where we cater and then things happen it happened because we narrowed the focus. And then if when the money needs to go someplace, it goes to that specific audience, you see. So it's not that I cannot play with everything, but if I try to sell all, all the kinds of mediums that I like to make at the same time, I'm not going to succeed or I'm going to, go, uh, to need a lot of money. Because you may be thinking, I can do Facebook ads, for example, and then I target different audiences. Well, you can, but if you want it to work, it, it costs. And it, it costs a good chunk. Are you going to do that versus this audience, this audience, this audience? Because the person that likes glass is not, for sure, the person that likes glass is not usually the person that likes uh, fiber as well, right? They are not the same audience. And they spend money in a very different way. Yeah, today I could tell you in each segment uh, how they are as buyers. And there are buyers that need a lot more convincing. There are buyers that are a lot more thrifty and they usually follow uh, one line of, line of hobby. It's quite interesting. So all these things you see. So you can still keep making them, but market one thing first. And once that is giving you money, then you come to another. Let me go before I answer the others. Uh, through the artist statement. So we don't do the same thing we did. Yeah, she's saying, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to read once again, just for those that were not here yesterday. So they get an idea uh, how how I, I wrote mine. And I wrote mine after a course that I took with Ju Judy Elsley. I did talk to her about giving a course to us. She doesn't think it, it works doing online. She really thinks it needs to be an in-person. So what I'm going to do is read the statement and, and talk about some questions you should ask when you're writing yours. And why is this important? It, it's because it's part of the whole story, it's part of the whole thing. The artist, it's a crucial piece of the art. So they cannot be totally disconnected. And if you just write something because you wrote something, doesn't gonna work. And if you do this also when you submit pieces to galleries and exhibits, it's also not gonna work. So here's mine. <clears throat> I sculpt animals. I mango and twist wool. I wet, poke, and take air out of... Today I'm not good, doing good in breeding. I mango and twist wool. I wet, poke, and take air out of, out of to force the fiber to connect to itself and turn it into sculptures of lively animals. I often focus on species that are disappearing. I start with wool, but textiles and embroidery are frequently frequently part of the finished piece. I start by choosing the animal I want to sculpt and the story it needs to tell. Then I look for the colors of wool I will need. The technique is called needle felting and it asks for bats of wool because it felts faster. Uh, an And I think we are back. Yes, I think we are back. Let me know. I think we are back on YouTube and Curious Mondo. I think we lost the Facebook feed. Well, can you imagine five days not having any technical glitch? Never happens. Not in our lives. Okay. So uh, I don't know where I stopped. So we can go back. But I was talking about the last paragraph about building credibility, but how the fact that if you, if you have college or formal education, it's not a big deal. Nobody asks you about that. Okay. Very extremely, extremely rare. Uh, so that, that's what I wrote. So here I have a, a few questions that you, uh, if you, if possible, write that down so you can create your own. And the very, the most important one, you are writing this to your audience, to your specific ideal client. We talked about that yesterday. We defined how to, to get to, to the ideal client. Once you know who, are, who she or he is, then you need to write this to that person, right? And again, your ideal client needs to be that one person because then you will know exactly how to talk to that person. And that person will represent the group of people that will be buying from you. So you, you write to them. And 
write in a way that is appropriate to you. You might not like the style that I did, and that's totally okay. But you know, what do you think? And write down also what do you you in in two or three paragraphs, what would be appropriate for you to say there that would matter for people that could be your buyers, right? So, for example, in here, I'm talking about animals. Uh, you know, the needle felting gets uh, one paragraph because it's uh, an art that many people are not aware of. You would be surprised by how many people don't never heard of needle felting. So when they see the sculpture, they want to touch, they want to understand what it is. So it's the number one question I get all the time. Maybe with beads, that would be an uh, unnecessary paragraph. I don't need to explain uh, beads, but I can explain a little bit of the process of it, right? So for example, if I were Marilyn and I made this gnome, I might say I melt glass at a very high temperature using my hands and fire, and that will turn, I will turn that into whatever shape I want to say what I want. So for example, her gnome has a little high Heart. You know, it's, it's man. It's, it's about love and da da da. So you can say that. Uh, you can you can tell a little bit of the process if it's a more intricate process than than just, for example, beading. But if if it's bead weaving, for example, that you do with a needle, you can say I I, I weave beads using a needle or I weave beads using a loom, and with them I create designs and blah blah blah. So the process sometimes is necessary, sometimes not so much. So you have to think about. About that. Uh, I, I like to include the process a little bit unless I make something that is uh, extremely simple just by looking people know uh, how it's made but if not then I would talk about the process. It's always also uh, part of that mystery and mystique right when when they look at your piece they they don't know like if they look uh, at um, Karen, ba Karen Baker's sculpture they don't know that inside there is an armature they don't know that there is fleece around it. Uh, they don't know. So talking a little bit about the process opens their eyes to everything that that piece encompasses. So it's a cool thing. Uh, who are you as, as the artist? It's nice to say that. So for example, when I say I sculpt animals and I sculpt animals there are endangered, I'm saying that I have a passion for that. I, I pay attention to that. And you might be the kind of person that couldn't, for example, I, I, I like wolves a lot. And I have a landlord that he, for if it's up to him, they are, they're, would all going to be dead. Well, we know we cannot have a very intense relationship, right? Because it's, it's a crucial point of difference. And yes, you may say, but wouldn't this, uh, you know, not attract or, or push away a potential buyer? Not everybody will buy from you. And you really want to know the people that would buy from you more than once. And I need to talk about that more than once. It's a lot more important than a person that buys just one once and go away. Uh, and the reason behind that is that it's a lot more expensive for you to get 
uh, new customers than to keep selling to the same ones. Uh, they, they value what you do, first of all, right? They are your loyal customers, but it, they make the business sustainable. So if you have a business that you always need new customers, so for example, with a product that has no value, so they're not going to buy it a second time, uh, then you're spending a lot more, either time or money, and it's usually both, that you are spending on the time to market and keep selling those pieces. While you have something that they would buy over and over again, your business can be sustainable. Why people love the art doll shows? Because they attract collectors. What Let's try once again. <laughs> it looks like we're back. Sandra Pareto. Okay, so here we are back again. Uh, and I don't know if you heard that. Uh, th this, this problem never happened. So we are s trying to deal with that as it goes. And I'm not sure where I stopped. But let's try to reconvene and you tell me. Uh, I, was, I was talking about why people like then, the, the sculptors like to go to, to art doll shows, for example. It's because they attract collectors. Collectors buy more than once. It's extremely important. Because again, that brings sustainability to your business. So I'd rather have you know, people that don't buy at my higher price point, but they buy often, than to have every now and then having to go fish for one that buys the high-end products uh, because it's going to cost a lot more. Okay, and I, I hope it became clear because really I don't know what you heard or not. Um, the how long you have been doing this is something that you can add. Uh, Again, it doesn't matter if you're good at what you do and you started uh, three months ago and you still make beautiful pieces, so what? You don't have to be making this for 10 years. I, I decided to put when I got to Utah because for me, that's a landmark, right? That for me was uh, a rebuild of life. Uh, so I put that here because of that. And because also Utah is a great piece of conversation. When we were speaking and we would go, you know, hang out with these people that, or, you know, we're famous in the marketing field and everything. And you would say, yes, I came from Brazil. And yeah, and where do you live? In Utah. They would always say, why Utah? Right? And it's also, it was the best choice ever. It's a great place to live. But, you know, it's a piece of conversation. So I added that uh, as well. And I didn't put how long I've been doing this. 
So it, it's your choice. If for you, uh, you think that's a point that increases the credibility, go for it. But if you, you, if you haven't been, I don't even know how long I've been doing uh, needle felting, but I could put that as well here, right? So it's your choice. I decided to put a landmark uh, of when I started. And then when you write, so you, you stay with between three and five paragraphs tops, not, no more than that. Usually many galleries, they want the three, uh, three paragraphs. Uh, you read it and think about what you can cut. You know, communication, it needs to be precise and clear or else it creates confusion. So it's the same thing when you're writing. You need to see, okay, do I really need this phrase here or not? So for example, this is my way of telling the world that all life forms matter and should be honored and, try, and, and to try to reconnect people with nature. For me, I cannot take that one out because that is huge for me. Uh, animal preservation, uh, not, not, not being judgmental with different genders, different colors, different religions, different whatever, is important to me. I want to see the being, not the outside. Uh, and I think it's important for people to reconnect with nature. I think we are way detached from nature. Uh, and, and that's bad. That's a bad thing. Because if we are disconnected, we don't care. And if we don't care, we are hurting them. And they are, they are beings too, right? They are forms of life. So I couldn't take this sentence out because it's a huge part. You might disagree totally with me, but at least you know who, who I am. And see, the problem is not to tell people you may not think exactly like they do. Uh, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, the problem is that we today, we don't know how to have difficult conversations. So for example, if I mention I'm a Republican or a Democrat, the other side will, will get angry and make assumptions of whatever I am, when we really should sit down together and see if the differences are really that big or not. Difficult conversations are a healthy thing to do. Uh, it also uh, teaches you how to deal with emotions, right? Because, well, I, I, you know, some of my best friends, they have a total different political view than I have, and we are still very, very, very good friends, right? When we have the difficult conversations, it gets a little bit more heated, but we understand what we are doing, right? We, we are fostering, seeing if I can get to where you think, and if you can get to where I think, we can, we can get in between and understand each other better. So it, it doesn't matter that the person uh, doesn't think like you, but it's important for them to understand who you are, right? Because they are buying what you create. And I think it's even more important with art because we put a lot of energy into what we make and that energy is there. Uh, and the last one, so can I cut? Can I cut something? Think, maybe, maybe you don't need to say one thing or two. Make it precise, make it clear. Uh, and then you ask yourself, what is missing here? Is there anything extremely crucial that they don't know, that they need to know? Right. So again, even the process, it needs to be clear and to the point. You're not going to explain everything like like if it was a class. Right. Just enough for them to understand what it takes. So I, I get a barbed needle. I get a piece of phone. I get wool that has no shape whatsoever. And I mango and I twist and I wet and I get something that you're seeing right now. Then, then they go, wow. Right. There, there's a lot of unanswered questions there, but it's the kind of unanswered question that will make them stay with the piece. 
so this is what uh, about the the artist statement and if it didn't it's not clear to you because we we cut twice just let me know let me read well can you read yours again again yeah i can are you sure yeah okay so I'll try to read again. I sculpt animals. I mango and twist wool. I wet, poke, and take air out of out to force the fiber to connect to itself and turn it into sculptures of lively animals. I often focus on species that are disappearing. I start with wool, but textiles and embroidery are frequently part of the finished piece. See, Brie, I kind of introduced them to two other things that I I deal with, but they are they are in the same realm, right? I start by choosing the animal I want to sculpt and the story it needs to tell. Then I look for the colors of wool I will need. The technique is called needle felting and it asks for bats of wool because it felts faster. Then a bar needle, a piece of foam, sometimes some wire, and I'm ready to start poking the fiber and taking it on its own new journey. This is my way of telling to the world that all life forms matter and should be honored and to try to reconnect people with nature. Making is part of my daily activities. Since I've arrived in Utah in 2004, I've been leaning, I, it, there's a typo here, that's why I've been stalling here every time. I've been learning to tell fiber stories in different ways and becoming more courageous to experiment and incorporate new materials. I published three books, have participated in several exhibits, and am the owner of Curious Mondo, a company focused on teaching art and resourcefulness to people. See, so I have one, two, three, four, five paragraphs here. Uh, and of course, I could twist this if I was putting on an exhibit that wanted last words, especially if it's an online exhibit and there are several. Uh, sometimes you have a number of characters that you can put. So I'll take something out uh, that I think in that case could go out. So for example, if it's an exhibit, there is one online every year that is for needle filters, right? So I have no need for the paragraph of the process. Right, everybody that is going to look at those pieces, they will, they know what needle felting is. So it's irrelevant. It gets out, right? So you can you can t twist, and the, the important is it, it needs to say more than you went to school. You have to three kids. You can you can put that there if you if it's important. But you know it, it needs to say more than a very bland blah kind of bio because then it's just like everybody else's, right? Uh, Bella Rose, Shohar, can they test you and Nash for Corona anti antibodies? I don't think they're doing this here right now, but of course, if they are, I would love to to know and to help. Diana, I have always been told to follow the market and I simply cannot make something I think others will buy. I may not like it and then be stuck with a wanted piece. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, that's one reason I don't take commissions. I like to do my own thing. And if people like, awesome. If not, I may put a color that you I know it's really trendy right now. I may, if I'm creating a jewelry, for example, I'm, I may do that. But I agree with you. I, it's my process. I so That's the reason I don't like commissions. Lisa, many times I create combining several media like silver smithing and fused glass. Both are involved types of making art. I find it incredibly difficult to explain this to people. Yeah, but you, you could explain the why. 
right? So maybe they, they don't even understand exactly what silversmithing is, right? Uh, but you can say, I, I, I create jewelry that involves different processes because for me, diversity is important. If you said, for example, this phrase, it says a lot. The moment you say, for me, diversity is important, it's telling, if that is the case, of course, it's telling a lot about you, see? And you're not really explaining the whole thing because, you, you know, it wouldn't make sense to many people. And many people are not even familiar. So you may say, I, I, I make, what do you do? Let me see. Silver is meeting, fused glass. So for me, using metals like silver and glass and mixing them together tells me how I want things to be in, uh, uh, around me, for example. You can, you can play around with that a lot. And of course, out of the blue, it's difficult to create a perfect se sentence. But you see, uh, you're not trying to put glitter on anything, but you're trying to resonate uh, or tell them about one of your values that will resonate with a part of the population. Um, uh, Jenny, way back when I first started, I was And I'm back again. Talk about frustration, right? You're frustrated, I am too. So I was reading Jenny's uh, thing that if one person asks for something, you should hear the second and the third one, you should be on it. And this is a very healthy practice, actually. We we pay a lot of attention. We get emails. Maybe you should have somebody teaching egg carving, for example, or this or that. And we always, we always keep an eye open uh, for that. Of course, we think, okay, this is something. We, we have uh, different levels that we think about courses, and some of them we, we call legacy courses courses. Our courses really that they, they have a very small audience, but is an art that should not disappear. So we go after somebody to teach that. And we pay a lot of attention to the suggestions that we get. And you know, we, we try actually to bring different things all the time. And I think it's true. If people start asking you for something, your first reaction is, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do that. It's more work or whatever it is, but pay attention because there might be a gold mine right there. Uh, Bree Shahar, would you would it be helpful to have a short video of your process on the website? Yes, of course, especially when it's something that people are not familiar with. Uh, a few years ago, Nashla was in college. She was she was doing film. And she had to do an audio documentary only. And I pitched her an idea and, and she she went for it. And it was, uh, we we are uh, birders. So we love to go to watch birds. Oh no, you, you actually did too. So no, one was about wet felting. Yeah, and I started just, I had the water, so audio only. I had the water, the squishy, squishy, and you have that sound. And that's how it starts. Squish, squish, squish. And then I, we went NPR style, right? I, I talked in the back. I, I, I wet the wool. And, and you know, I, I went through the whole process. It lasts like a minute or two. And I love it. I love that one. And it can be, even though it's not visual, it still tells a story that when people are listening, they get intrigued. It's the mystery part again, right? Yeah, I've never seen one. How is it? Oh, I think I saw one. Maybe on Instagram, I saw a Russian lady doing that. But so it, it, it gets engaged with you. So yes, you, you can and, and you should. 
if it's a technique that people are not extremely familiar with. If you're doing one on scrapbooking, well, most people know the whole process of that. But yes, uh, Cheryl, do you change your statement often, for instance, to fit the venue show application? Well, this this is quite new, but yes. And if, for example, I'm going to... The, the, the other day there was one they had to cancel, but there was one that they wanted things with fiber that were totally out of the box. And I was planning on like Ben... I can't remember exactly what are the pieces that I was going to submit, but they were different. They were not needle felted. So yes, I would write something around that and submit, but the, the process would be the same, right? I, I would be writing to the audience that I think would be attracted to that. I would put some of my values in that statement. If it's necessary, the process, so an out of the box one is kind of important and, and then create some credibility. So I've been doing this for so many years or whatever is the, the here I put the books whatever you have to put in that place uh, knowing who you are is also very important they're buying they're buying the artist as well you don't think they're buying that's why shows are so important imagine for example the Queenland show and you have Karen you have Cheryl you have Noemi you have all of them there each person I mean if you put Noemi April uh, Karen Sherry together they're totally different people they have totally different personalities and they have different beliefs and values as well right when they're talking to the customer one will resonate more than the other they may all sell well but one will resonate better than the other to that specific customer and that specific customer will choose the artist you are selling yourself as well and that's another thing that you have to to be aware even what you want to translate on how you're dressing uh, you don't have to be fancy or anything but it, it needs to translate something of you and we as artists we are so fortunate with that because you can create the most crazy uh, jacket and wear anywhere and that will tell you who you are you know you don't need to go the traditional fancy uh, route you, you can go out of the box and why don't we go more out of the box and if some, somebody looks you with like hmm, you say so what right you only have one life to live. You should live at your fullest. Um, political views should not determine friendship. Yeah, but they are dangerous in business, right? We, for example, in our uh, agreement with the instructor, is totally prohibited to make political statements. Uh, we don't. We we have a very large crowd. And our crowd really are from very different countries. But I think that's a big no-no. You don't talk about... In Brazil, we say you never talk about politics or soccer, right? Because that never ends well. So we are all very passionate about the things we believe in. So we have to be careful sometimes. Uh, guest 942. I think you forgot to mention you are inspiring, awesome, and extremely talented in a number of ways. Most people just think I'm crazy. So, Laura, I didn't know Needle felting was a thing before I saw Curious Mondo. See? Uh, open up a whole new world for me. Look at that. And it's been around for, a, for quite a while. Uh, so you see how it is. And we see this every day with other with other things too. Bella Rose, you're doing great, Shahar. Yeah, she cuts me all the time. I don't know. We all appreciate everything, especially knowing how tired you and Ashla must be. I'm so longing for Saturday, you have no clue. Uh, Diana, I think we don't want to lose some art no one wants to be a pre apprentice instant gratification but now 
maybe that will be a good thing to... Let me see if I understood that. I think we don't want to lose some arts. No one wants to be apprentice instant gratification, but now maybe that will be a good thing to come out of this interest. Well, I think about this. One, there are two points here. One is people are staying more at home, and even though they can go to Netflix all day long, it gets boring after a while. So they're probably paying more attention to videos and live streamings and things like that or on social network. And yes, it may spike interest for many things that they didn't think of. The other thing is some arts are disappearing. Uh, in England, at the beginning of the year, they did a study of the, 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 the forms of arts going away. And I think there were 16 of them. Bas basketry, for example, is one. And the big the big thing why that is happening is not because there is no interest. It's really that there is nobody to teach another generation. And that happens all the time. For example, uh, sewing. Sewing is a big thing. I, uh, I mean, the sewing guild is huge. Uh, even here in Utah, I think we have four or five chapters. But they are, they're very specific to one generation. My mic is getting in the way. The norm is... No, stay quiet. Please, let me take this out here. Oh, it's because it is in the wrong place. Okay, so what happens in these groups? They, they are pretty much, they have one generation attending, right? And the generation coming up, their approach to certain forms of art uh, is, is very different. And, and they are not joiners, right? The, the, especially the millennials, they don't, they don't tend to join groups. Uh, the joining thing is a thing. It happens the same thing in chambers of commerce. It's hard to attract them. So you have that gap. And, and in some cases, the, the art is dying because of that. We, we have a plan with the legacy courses to bring all of them. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of being able to, to, to find the instructors and, of course, to understand that that week we are not going to have sales and be okay with that. So we, we need to be healthy in order to do that. But it's extremely important. And the second point about that, and it's important also when you're trying to make your things, if you're, if you're thinking about selling, is that... That in many of those things, there is an, uh, a new wave coming, a visual new wave coming. That is happening, for example, with macrame or macrame. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, that is happening with rug hooking, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, weaving and the new tapestry that is made on looms. They are visually very different. They are, they are very modern. And in, I think they're very, very cool. Uh, that That is coming from this new generation here. So when you're trying to sell, you might have a passion for the process, let's say weaving, uh, but you have to see, okay, my ideal client, is it in this age bracket or in this very young age bracket? If it's here, my design will need to adapt to what they are looking for right now. Right? So macrame, for example, is something in the 70s. It was super popular. I remember my mother had some stuff inside the house. Well, today you have that revival, but it's not the revival with the same visual. It's different. There are other propositions. When it comes to tapestry and even weaving, you see a lot of 
totally different fibers and, and ways of building and textures and that is very different than the, the traditional. So you still need to know the process and, and of course it's always better to get with, uh, it's been here for such a long time. But when you're thinking about selling, if your ideal client is in that age bracket, you need to start moving. And also you need to think, am I going to be, I, do I want to be selling my art 20 years from now? I need to understand what's coming in and adapting to that right unless you want to be a very traditional artist in that in that process and only sell for people that are interested in the very traditional one okay you saw this with the sculpting and uh, uh, steampunk trend right how, how you would start making exactly the same type of sculpture but now they were dressed in a different way they were telling a different story and you can ride on the on the wave with that but you need to see the the art that i like is it do does it have um a modern flair that is coming up and go take a look and i think it's very interesting because you do have two social networks when you can compare those things all the time on facebook you're going to see everything as it has been done and amazing amazing stuff but if i want to say okay rug hooking i i belong to some groups on that uh and i, I get the magazine and everything well what happens uh when i go to instagram I can find some new stuff coming up with rug hooking that not even the magazines are still pushing that to, to promote, right? And I, I don't know the why and I don't want to know. But you can see those two trends, those two things coming. Let me take this off because it's getting in the way, you know. My mic up. I, I have a feeling I'm not expressing myself well today. So I, I hope it's making sense what I'm saying. I'm doing great, good. Put your microphone up. Oh, up here. Okay. Okay. My pleasure. So, uh, so you know, and, and it's a fascinating thing to do. It, it's to be able to to see the trend in the medium that you love to to work, and you can see, and, and you can see it's a generational thing. This changes, and you you think, do I want my business to be here ten years from now? I have to go and start incorporating this new look, this new thing, uh, to me. Um, more than once we talked about component of entertainment. Remember that you can always bring a component of entertainment into whatever you're doing, especially when you were thinking about creating gallery shows online, boutiques, special events, uh, uh, follow me along events and things like that. What can you bring as a component of entertainment? So, for of course, you could bring music that, that you can play. Be careful when you are online. Uh, if you are online, never, 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 and you're live, never put a music in the background or TV in the background. You will be cut right away by YouTube. And I mean right away. Uh, so don't even try that. But if you have a friend that plays something, then you could have. But what else? What else could you do? Give, give me an idea here. I, actually, be, even better than that. What have we done in the, this five days to bring a component of entertainment? After all, we talked about recession. We talked about violence. We talked about business. There's not one topic that was fun. But how did we bring a component of, of entertainment? I'll, I'll let you answer while I read the, the, the comments here. 
let me see, let's see. We, uh, Laura B saying, weaving is changing a lot. Small looms, small projects, tapestries. I, I got a loom now that I'm totally in love with that loom. And it's made of, of uh, metal and it stays up. And right now I'm, I'm making, I'm making a bracelet of beads, but I, I want to learn the tapestry part. And then I bought another one that is this big. And I was thinking, oh, when I'm in the car or something, I can use that. And I'm actually, uh, learning the, the stitches for the tapestry on that one. And yes, you see amazing things coming out, uh, from the new generation with this. So we need to be aware of that. I made, uh, Gisette saying, I made lots of money doing macrame in the 70s and 80s. So if you go, if you go, for example, on, on Instagram and you take a look at this new artist coming up, it's going to fill you with so many cool ideas. I, for example, in the 70s, I was 10 years old in, in 1970, but never, never really caught my attention. I knew it existed. I knew my mother had, had it, but never caught my attention. And today, I mean, I, I do have a frame right here in my living room that I bought because I want to train. I, I, I hardly find the time. So I only did two pieces and I, and one of them is, is in another place. I love them. But I need the time. And now you have different types of cords and, and many different colors. Amazing stuff is coming up. Go back into that because you can still make a lot of money with that. Uh, Lisa Shahar, you are doing amazing. I hear, you, I hear you understand. Thank you. Because I'm really thinking, and I don't drink. Uh, Lisa, component of entertainment, you should evoke joy. Well, that could be, right? Your energy will play. What else? What else did we have here that could be said it was a component of entertainment? A bits of humor between the solemn things. Yeah, exactly. How, how you're running the show can be. Um, let me think if I can remember businesses and the component of entertainment. Ah, that's a very easy one. Get a Kinder Egg. What's inside the Kinder Egg? <laughs> Right, it's a toy. Uh, I know. I know. Here in the states, for a while, they were not allowed, but they're they're very big in many countries. Uh, that's a component of, of entertainment. The toy. I remember. Uh, I lived here in the 60s, 68 or 67 in Michigan with my uncle and aunt. He was going to the University of Michigan, and I spent a year with them. And I remember that the cereal boxes, right? They had toys inside. And I remember that one day the the cereal box came with a, a paper um, record with the music Sugar Sugar by the Arches. And I remember cutting that because I couldn't believe that would play on a turntable. And I was very serious about my turntable. It was very important to me. And it played, and I, that thing, I ripped that thing apart, but it was so fun. That's a component of entertainment with the food. The food industry did this many times, right? Uh, but you can do in any business. Let me see uh, if I have anything else. No. So, yes, I do. I don't have here. Uh, the way it was presented was the component, your style. <laughs> There's something else. Oh, the background decor, lots of joy. Get 78, 19. Yes, every single day we play Where's Waldo, right? <laughs> and we put a different piece of art. Sometimes it was my art. Sometimes it was Jim's Valentine's Bear, for example. And we changed the position of the things here. So it was very subtle, but... 
I bet the first day you saw very, very well together. I can see what's in the background. The second day you thought there's something different. And then you saw the birds and said, wait a minute, they're, they're playing with me here. So it's a very subtle component of entertainment, but it's, it still was there. And, and colors and everything that were changing, because again, we are dealing with emotions now and colors, they play a big role on that. So we were playing with that a little bit. Um, <coughs> What else do I have here? Laura, oh man, I remember those cardboard records here and there. I only I only saw once and it was that one. And I remember I took it when I went back. Actually, my mother, it was my first death threat. She, uh, she called me and she said, you either come back or I'm going to go all the way there to pick you up. So I went back to Brazil. <laughs> but I went with that record. I love that record. And it was so amazing, right? Look at the technology. It was a paper thing that would play a music. It was phenomenal. Um, you gave me CLKMD. Uh, you gave me a welcome break from the stress of treating patients these days. Go accomplish. Well, I cannot, uh, the only thing I can tell you is thank you so much for doing this. You know, I, I know how hard it has been on all of you that deal with healthcare and I really, really, really appreciate what you guys are doing. I wish we as a society could could treat you better than than what's going on right now. But you know, you have my support full time. Um, I love your art, Lisa. Saying thank you, guest nine four two. Ah, it wasn't subtle, but it's <laughs> it's lovely. Bri, think I think the records were in magazines too. Maybe they were. I don't know. I only would buy uh, magazines that had Donny Osmond on the cover, <laughs> yeah, David Cassidy, and things like that. Man, you know, my I was not an easy kid. I have to tell you, I was the black sheep in my family. Uh, I was a little nuts. Not, not that I did bad things, but I would drive my parents crazy. And you know how they would ground me? So the magazines like Tiger Beat and, and Pop and the other all the other ones, they would go to Brazil. And it, of course, it's very different than today, right? They would arrive one month late because, of course, they had to be shipped there and everything. And they were expensive because you would play, pay, pay the price in dollars, of course. And when my father wanted to ground me, he would go one month without Tiger Beat, you know, or two months. With, and I would cry because it's like the world was ending if that happened. So they didn't put me looking at the wall, not even once. That was not a thing. But, you know, suppressing myself or my idols was a very bad thing, a big thing. Uh, Cindy DeGraw. Going back to a website, well, what about if we go back to topic? Uh, if an artist works in both 2D and 3D paints, sculpts, and also dyes assemblage, uh, are you saying a separate website is needed for each medium? Can you extrapolate on that more? And, and then it's so complicated. So the things that run parallel to each other, you could put them together. So let's see here what we have. 2D and 3D paints, or, or sculpts, they, they, they fall in the same thing, right? Uh, you could have sculpts and paint. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the dice assemblage. So if you think they somewhat relate to each other, uh, yes, if they are extremely different than each other, they, they target different audiences, then they, they would need to be separate. Okay, and that happens in business too. There are many solopreneurs that they do this and that and that, the thing of wearing many hats. What happens with that? Like when I was going to, to networking meetings, the moment 
a person would stand up, and there was always one, that would go, I wear many hats. Uh, the moment they say that, you just shut down. You, you don't listen to what's coming next. And the credibility will be an issue in business. I'm not saying in arts, in business, right? But the problem is uh, we have this thing, what are you good at? So when I, I consult with a, a, a client in business, that would be a no-no. If you're a massage therapist, but you are also an accountant, they don't have anything to do together. They, they don't run parallel to each other at all. So it needs to be separate. It's a total different audience. Right, uh, the massage therapist, the the client is somebody that has back pain, just wants to relax or whatever it is, and the accounting are business owners that need the, the the numbers taken care of. Right, so total different audience. It needs to be separate. But if they run parallel or they and they are they sell to similar audiences, then there is no problem uh, being together. It would be extremely hard for you to manage three or four websites because it's it would be a boatload of work. So you don't want that. So you have to think if they all run together. I think 2D, 3D, sculpting, they are all in the same realm. The paint, it's okay. Uh, it is not that far apart that it would be a total different audience. So, it, it, so the, just the dye assemblage, can, I don't know exactly what it is. But if it's, if it's in that realm, it's the same audience. So it's important, again, to go back to yesterday and say, who is my client? What they are looking for? And does the sculpt fit into this? Does the 3D, could, could he buy this? Could he buy that? Would that be okay? So I gave you the example of glass and fiber. Very different audience. Uh, they're, they're, even their life proposition is different. With the fiber people, you see a lot of people that are into farming, for example, of course, right? Uh, simple way of living. Being, being self-sustainable for many of them is a very big thing because they may shear the lamb, they may spin the fiber, and then they knit into something. So they go through the whole process, they are resourceful, and they want to, to control the whole thing. They also tend to be very money conscious, right? So I know how that audience is. If I sell fiber, I'm going to talk to that audience. Now, the glass audience is a total different group of people. And, and of course, you may even have uh, glass artists that do fiber as well. Uh, Jody, Jody McDougall here in town, she has a, an interview on Curious Mondo. She makes wet felted hats. She likes to do some needle felting. She spins, right? She does all that. And she is unbelievable with glass. I mean, her very strong point is still glass. And what you see on social media, most of the time is all about glass. But she also inserts those every now and then. And when she does shows, many times she also brings uh, some of the fibers together. But usually glass artists and, and fiber are different uh, people because of the tactile component that you have with the fiber and the non-touchy component, you not so touchy component you have with the glass is one of the difference. Uh, we find that with courses, they are very different as a group. Very different as a group. The price, the, 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 the how they are comfortable spending is very different. Uh, so you need to know who you're selling to and if you can join those two together or not. I hope I answered your question. But anyway, three or four websites wouldn't do, it would be a nightmare for you to manage. Uh, we manage several and it's, it's, 
not easy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route. Maybe two in some cases, but not more than that. Could I have the different arts on separate pages of the same website instead of separate websites? So yes, if you, if let's suppose that you do fiber and paper, okay? So you would say, let's say you have a gallery, you subdivide the gallery fiber paper or sculptures and, and whatever else you do and paint, that's totally okay. But think of, again, if it's the same audience, because when you, no, it's not when you're building the website, when you're marketing the website to people, right, you, you need to be specific to your prospect, your buyer, or else you're going to be spending more time and more money uh, talking to both. That, that is the real thing that you need to think about because it could be any two or three arts together on a website if they appeal to the same type of audience. It could even be more if they appeal to the same kind of audience, okay? Because it, what I, when I mean get expensive is you either at some point will spend money in advertising or Facebook ads or things like that, or you will spend the time to, to be able not to spend that money to make things go so it makes more more difficult same thing when you create the page on facebook it needs to be about something specific because the way it is is already very very hard for you to attract an audience if you spread that topic and the keywords it gets even harder and then you you will see that facebook every now and then sends to you we think your page is about this and if you don't say anything we will change so if you don't see that notification they change your page for you uh, because they they, they are making assumptions on the types of posts that you're putting. So if you're putting, for example, on a page about art that you also put stuff a lot about politics, they may do that at, at some point. And even, even when you don't, they every now and then they come up with their own suggestion. And you have to control that because you need to have some control of your page. But think about that, uh, keywords and everything. You, if you have to use a huge array of different things, it just makes everything get harder. Last one, what about possible gallery tabs within the website that keeps the, the process separate? So like I said, you can have fiber and then you can have sculpting uh, in different tabs of the gallery. Two or three doesn't bug anybody. But in each one, in each picture, for example, a simple thing with artists, uh, pictures, they need to have keywords, not numbers. You take your, your picture with your cell phone, when you upload, the name of the, that picture is a number. That has no value whatsoever. It doesn't benefit at all. You need to rename that with, for example, fiber sculpture, needle felting, wool art, textile artist, love, love wool, something like that, the keyword. They all need to have that or else you have a website that has a bunch of numbers that means nothing to the search engine. And I, I will end with how the search engines... There's more. There's more here? Yep. We are late. That's okay. I'm going to miss my Ozark episode. <laughs> uh so, for example, how, how a, a Google or a search engine looks at your website, and of course this changes every now and then a, lit, a bit, but it's made by robots, right? So the robot gets to the website and usually looks at the title, your website has a title, looks at the title of the website and it's asking, what is this about? And it may say, Laura is 3D sculpts. Oh, it may be about 3D sculpts. Then he goes into the text and is, he's still asking, what is this about? And if you don't mention, for example, 3D sculpts anymore, it gets lost. And it goes to the, then he goes to the bottom of the page and is looking for the same answer. If you there have nothing relevant, it also doesn't know what you are about. 
it puts you anywhere in the search engine and you never show for the things that you should be showing 3D sculpting, right? When he looks at the pictures, if I had the name is, uh, is something that doesn't make sense or is a number, it's going to put your website with numbers out there, nothing to do with what you're looking for. So the, when I say the websites take some work, it's exactly this. You take a picture, you upload to the site, but you need to name it correctly. All the, the pictures need to have text in the name. You don't see that, but the, the robot do. It's like serving two masters at once. You are serving the search engines, masters. Please show me on your first page. And you're serving the clients see and it needs to make sense to both of them it needs to be appealing to both of them with the customer is the stories that you told is how you place the colors that you choose all that with the search engine is what is this about and if it doesn't make sense it just throws you someplace that people never find you right but if it's about 3d sculpts and sculpting and sculptor sculptor or artist then these things make sense it starts putting you in a better place if you're very relevant so for example everything is about woo and needle felting it has no other place to put me as in the needle felt category. And that's when I can show maybe on the first or second page over time. It doesn't happen right away, over time, right? You see the difference. And because people do not go 10 pages searching for something, you are always fighting to be as close to the first page as possible, right? Now, you are always competing with companies like Amazon and eBay. They they have the resources to put to put lots of money on pay-per-click on advertising for whatever keyword. You type smile and you will see an Amazon ad popping up. Well, when they do it right, it also uses some of the... There are only eight uh, uh, searches in, in every page of the search engine. So they are going to be taking some of them as well. So you're, you're competing with, with big fish uh, as well. So you need to be very, very, very relevant when you're talking, when you're writing the text. And I know how painful it is for everybody to put text on the website. Like I told you, Nashla has done hundreds of websites and she asks for content and they and people send one line when we are very lucky one paragraph the search engine needs at least 250 words on a page to even even index that page to even make that page show anywhere so if you have less than that the page is not even showing and then on top of that your pictures have numbers it's never going to show you see so that's the work and, and that's a topic for a whole nother series because uh, the seo the search engine optimization changes very often but you you get you need to be relevant because you're talking to a robot and the robot needs to understand what you are about Char B. Char, what is the best way for us to figure out what customers for the different medias are into so we, we can speak to them? I don't think I understood, Brie. It's, it's really, I, I, I believe what you're asking. We, you need to create that story, that compelling story. You need to def, do the exercise, or if you, if you missed yesterday, the, the exercise of how to find your ideal client. If I know exactly who my ideal client is, I can talk to her and resonate all the time. My, um, ours happen to be a female, right? And we know the age and we know what they go through and everything or she goes through. Uh, it's, it's very easy now for us to talk to our ideal client. But you, you need to start that process. And then you can tell your why and everything and that person will get. 
9336, can you shed some light on people uh, taking your original ideas and copying them as their own or with a slight twist without going through copyright, etc.? Depending on what you make, you are going to be copied. And you're going to have to learn how to live with that. So, for example, if you make... Yeah, jewelry is a, is a very good example, right? You're either doing jewelry with beads or... or what? Well, with beads, it's a very easy example because just by looking at it, the person can see the process, right? Uh, what I can tell you is this. I wouldn't worry too much about it. We, we used to get a lot of this question from instructors. But I'm going to to show my process and I'm going to be copied. And then I would go and tell them there is a difference. When we are learning, we need to mimic. So if you're teaching me something, I kind of need to make exactly what you're doing. Even trying to train my hand to, to do the same movement that I'm doing. Because I need to understand how you achieve the process. That's how we learn how to talk and how to walk. It's, it's intrinsic to us learning. So yes, the very first piece or so, it will be very similar to yours. And when you look really at, at the pictures, you see not even them, but it can be, right? It can be very similar to your, yours. But once the person understands the process, oh, I got it, I got it how it's done, almost immediately, they start putting their own twist on the things. And then it's theirs. Then they, they start changing. So in five years, even though we had that question many, many times, that worry, many it's the same worry with, oh, but you show everything that I do for free, people will not buy. And even worse, they might not even call me again to give a, a class nowhere because you offer that for free. And then I have to explain. They have a very limited bracket to see that for free. And then the free goes away. So unless the person that was going to take a class with you I don't know, in, in the Netherlands, watch that simple thing and, and memorized every single thing without buying, then they may not go to your class. But other than that, that never happens. So in five years, neither of these two problems ever happened. And we have some clients that we have some, some classes that they were so popular that for a few days, everybody was posting the pictures of what they were making and they were very similar. But then they start changing. And even if they go and, and sell, it's, it's already their thing, right? But they did learn with you. So part of the process will be there. Can people steal your stuff and, and say it's yours? Yes, you, you have that. But it's really a minority. A minority. Now, with that said, there are processes out there that have been there forever. Actually, this happened with the, the beaded flowers. They, they, they started being made in, in the 1600s. It's a very long time. And people have created all types of ways. For example, a rose, there are like 10,000 ways of making a rose with the bead. Well, you might have taken the time, for example, to make your own rose. You, you may even have given a twist or two, but the same, all the process is putting beads in wires and twisting them. Uh, and you wrote a pattern, right? And you sell that pattern. Power to you. But that has been done. You just translated that into a pattern. And then if you see somebody that made a rose very similar to yours, and you are going to assume they're they are, uh, stealing your pattern, well, 
uh, we can discuss that a lot, right? Because it is uh, it is the same process over hundreds of years, and every single twist and difference has been made by somebody already, uh, and not because you translated into a pattern uh, that you you might even believe that you created that that way of doing, but it's very unlikely, right? And and then accusing without proof is another problem in itself, right? So for example, you can look if you know the process of this, you you and you will see that in the course, you can look at a picture and make the and make the flower. You do not need a pattern for that at all. See? So it's complicated when it gets to, to all this people copy. If you're putting on social media or if you're making free YouTube videos, uh, you're putting that out there and you're actually giving them permission to do whatever they want. Now, if they get a paid product and then they call them theirs, then that is a, an issue, you see. But it doesn't happen that often. It doesn't happen that often. We have a lot of fear about that. I, I deal with that every single day. You know, every time I, I invite a new instructor, the, the, those questions, they come. And I say, uh, first, this is what happens. And second, we've been doing this for, for five years now, every single week, and really never had a huge issue with that, right? Uh, we had the opposite, people trying to get courses from other people that had paid and stuff like that. But, you know, copying the instructors and start making a living or selling the same exact piece, it really, really never has happened. They do things very similar when they are learning. And then they move on because, you know what, we get tired. I, I, I may even copy your piece the first time because I want to understand your process and everything. But later, I don't like the way you use this or I don't like the way you make this and I change that's my opinion uh, about that <clears throat> okay thank you Shahar and Nash and Kiris Mondo and Village so wonderful to spend this time with you and hear your welcome, wonderful thoughts ideas and suggestions Can we very, uh, thank you very much Cindy you are a true joy thank you uh, Diana this is a wonderful thing that you have done thank you we, we thought it would be needed at this point uh, this is a ha moment thank you so much thank you Lisa uh, guest 6428 thank you and Laura, thanks so much for sharing the time with this whole week. I can tell you one thing. I did plan 30 minutes every night. And we went way over that every single time. I talk too much. But I also think that this is a moment that many of us are questioning how to go and how to move forward. And that's where we, we, we need to be focused, how we move forward, right? Not what's stacking uh, of problems that we have at the moment. You have to focus on the solution, not on the problem. And I hope I gave you at least some glimpses. I know to some people, I might have overwhelmed. I think now I have to have a website and now I have to put names on my picture. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't panic. Do one thing a day. You, you probably have time now that you can deal with these things. You may not even have the resources, but you have time to start planning, to start uh, deciding how you want things, a gallery, what if you're doing events, what are you going to do online, all this kind of stuff, how you're going to develop problems. And actually, this time is a great time to do that because once you leave the fear out for, for a few moments and start thinking about possibilities and start thinking about a new, a new normal for you, it's going to be a new normal for all of us 
but it doesn't have to be a bad one. And I don't even believe it's going to be a bad one. It's a moment of transformations. Maybe we are all going into to turn into a different type of butterflies right now. And that's phenomenal. That actually can be a blessing in disguise, right? We are having the time that we are usually busy with other things, right? We, we are having uh, introspection no moments because we are having to deal with emotions that we don't we didn't use to deal on a daily basis right and we are having to uh, deal, deal also with sometimes very difficult feelings each one of us takes this chaos a different way and some of us are easy like like you know my daughter she passes the dog while the do- the the earthquake is going and others are oh my gosh I'm almost dead I'm going everything is going to fall apart like me so it it all depends right each one of us takes chaos in a different way but I I told you once that you know my first day in college uh, I was in psychology my very first day I went to college and I had no idea how it was going to be and you know I had my own teenager insecurities a lot of them and comes this guy the teacher totally with the hair all over the place looking like a lunatic and the first thing he does is is step on the table and throws himself on the floor well, we were used to saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And, you know, the high school was a total different animal. And we all went, we got a crazy person here, right? And then right after that, he stood up and he said, when we make a huge transition, like childhood to adulthood, like high school to college, what we face at the beginning is chaos. And chaos has no logic, has no, no, no connecting dots, has no anything. It's chaos. We feel there is no earth under our feet. And for a little bit, we feel lost. But then as chaos continues, we start creating our own logic around it. And we start getting used and creating changes around it. And then we transition from one phase to the other. And and he, of course he said this in a much better way. But I got the idea. This is a changing moment that I don't know how to deal with being a teenager and then turning into a woman. No idea how to do that. Never did that before. And never nobody gave me a manual either. Uh, and now... I'm feeling lost and I don't know if I'm going to have friends. I don't know if I'll ever find a boyfriend. I don't know anything. But as the days go by and I attend school and I understand what college is about, what I have to do, what I'm really figuring out, then things start making sense again and we move on as a different person. And I think what's going on is really exactly that. We are graduating from one state of being to another one. And there there is chaos happening and it's going to happen for a while. But that also gives us time to make questions, make decisions and make, make changes to ourselves. And when chaos starts turning into normalcy and things start becoming a pattern, we're going to be ready for that. So that was my goal during this week, that if I could shine you on some business uh, bits, so you, you, if you, you want to transition to be a full-time artist, or you're struggling now and you need to figure out ways to make money, or, or the many unanswered questions are making you suffer, I hope we could be here saying, you know, 
let's look at this in a different perspective. So if I did that, I accomplished uh, my goal here and it was worth not watching TV during the evening and making national network TV the, and making Sam stay with the dogs the whole, the whole time so they wouldn't bark. So, you know, from my family to yours, uh, stay safe, stay home, don't panic, start making plans. There's, it's so fulfilling when you have new plans. I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.